complete. Passage begins in three, two, one. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Passage Radio. Brought to you by MegaWare Kill Guards and our friends at Robot Supply. No, not really. Actually, just MegaWare Kill Guard, the industry's first do-it-yourself kill protector. Protect your boat from harmful rocks and road debris with Kill Guard. View all of their innovative products at KeelGuard.com. Our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight will take us to the back of the boat today as we chat with the 2014 Co-Angler Champion of the FLW Forest Wood Cup. Bass Edge Radio is ready for takeoff. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the Powerpole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, Powerpole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, Powerpole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Powerpole, swift, silent, secure. Visit Powerpole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing. Coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. Hey, Bass Edge Nation, here we are, back and rocking once again. Facebook, Aaron, dude, we are playing around with 10,000 people on our Facebook page. That's awesome. Super excited about all that Bass Edge support out there. Absolutely, and uh, certainly have one of the most loyal audiences that's on social media, so hats off to everybody. Be sure and stay connected because... In case you haven't seen, Brian Holderman, our latest winner on the Guess the Weight contest, Kurt. Yeah, we had a little contest rolling there, Guess the Weight, at the uh, Cayuga Elite event. He picked that I would catch 26 pounds in an ounce or thereabouts, and uh, I ended up with 26.14. He was the closest winner. Bam! He gets some Bass Edge DVDs, and uh, we plan on having a lot more giveaways like that coming up in the near future. Yeah, be sure and stay tuned there. Certainly a great way to stay engaged and for us to stay engaged with you. And, Kurt, man, it's kind of the tail end of the season, but yet there's still more work to be done. Yeah, for me, I've got one more event coming up here at uh, Lake St. Clair. Cayuga, the last elite event of the year, left a little bit to be desired for my (laughs) performance this year, but uh, started off really strong. You know, cash three out of my first four events. Events and kind of just sputtered out there toward the end of the year. But man, I tell you what, going to fish hard, finish strong here at St. Clair, and then uh, get ready for 2015. You know, it's not too far away. Man, it's not. And, you know, certainly I leave in six days. I share your pain in the fact of through Central Pro Am. I just kind of had this just mediocre, laissez faire type season. But hey, I'm gearing up, trying to get mentally in the game because we are heading to my home lake, which is Table Rock Lake. Fortunate they're going to have a three day championship tournament. Tournament. The final weigh-in will be at Bass Pro Shops headquarters there in Springfield, Missouri. So I can't wait to get on that reservoir that I like to call home. 
fish in some deep, clear water, and who knows, maybe I'll find a shallow fish or two. I think I remember last fall you did really well in an event there, just missed walking away with the champion's crown. So good luck to you out there. I know that you're going to do well. Uh, Bass Blaster. Jay Kumar keeps rocking this thing out. Bass Blaster at BassGold.com if you want to sign up to get this uh, newsletter. But last couple things I've seen out there, new green sunfish record in North Carolina caught by a girl. Looks like she was in high school or maybe college, but also, you know, some interesting notes. KVD doesn't make the classic this year. Kind of an interesting deal, but uh, be sure you check out Bass Blaster at BassGold.com for all kinds of interesting fishing industry news on basically a weekly basis, right, Aaron? Yeah, it is. sometimes, you know, it's two, three times a week, and uh, I find it not only educational, but also entertaining. I saw where uh, you were actually giving the FLW boys some challenges down specifically, uh, Scott Martin and Scott Canterbury down there on Lake Murray. I think you were bumping boats or casting across their line or harassing somebody. <laughs> Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. That, right, that right. wasn't you. That wasn't you. Right, right. But, but yeah, I read that too. Uh, local guy down there. I think it was actually uh, Anthony Gagliardi and Scott Martin. But you're right. They were getting into some uh, interesting little debates while out on the water fishing for 500000 bucks. Well, as you know, I always have an opinion of which I would normally go into great detail on that. But I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole because we have Mark Negust on standby for this week. Tech Minute brought to you by ProtectTheHarvest.com. Let's see what Mark has to say. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. It's time. That's right, Bass Etchers. It's Tech Minute, presented by ProtectTheHarvest.com. Hosted by a man whose cell phone rings on its own just so he can hear his voice. We've got top chemist Mark Negust of Lucas Oil Products in the house. Dave from McKinney, Texas, wants to know, I purchased my boat motor and trailer new in 2010. The trailer has oil bath hubs on both axles. I've never changed the oil, and I drive it about 5,000 miles per year. What type of product do I use for the hubs, and can I just drain and refill, or do I need to rinse them out with some sort of cleaner? Well, if they are oil bath hubs, uh, we do have a product referred to as hub oil, which was actually designed by Forrest Lucas himself, and it's designed to be used in these specific applications. All you really need to do is just drain and refill. There should be no need to clean out the system, especially only after 5,000 miles. But we have an awful lot of experience on the hub oil. It's been around for over 20 years, and it's used in both uh, automotive, trailer, and heavy-duty applications. So we have an awful lot of history on the product. Any rule of thumb there, Mark, on the frequency or miles of oil changes and how often to do that? What I'd probably do is look at what the OEM recommended drain intervals are. Of course, if you're experiencing any kind of problems, you want to change it out, but it's always a good idea to follow the OEM recommended drain intervals. Well, as always, Mark, you have all the answers. Dave, thanks for the question. Be safe and best of luck both on and off the water. More Bass Edge Radio after these messages. Two fishermen came together with one agenda to construct bass boats superior in design and build. 
with a flawless finish. With our boat's exhilarating handling and smooth ride, extreme rough water just doesn't exist. We're not just building a boat. We're building a legend. Legend Boats. This is FLW Straight Talk Wireless Pro, Scott Canterbury, jamming with you on the Bass Edge Radio. In this episode of the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight, we'll be taking a look at seasonal patterns and techniques from the co-angler's view of tournament bass fishing. We're stoked to be able to have the 2014 Forest Wood Cup co-angler champion, Brian New. Welcome to the show, Brian. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, Brian, you have been stacking up cash over the past several years fishing tournaments from the back of the boat. But before we get into that, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your background? I grew up um, on Lake Wiley in North Carolina, Belmont. North Carolina, just south of Charlotte. I've lived on a lake my whole life, and, you know, my earliest memories of fishing were just me and my brother catfishing, brim fishing, whatever would bite. When I was about eight or nine years old, we got a new member at my church, and my preacher set it up to where me, the preacher, and the new member, we all went fishing. And this guy, his name was Kurt Hildebrand. He was a bass fisherman. So kind of hooked up with him from there and, you know, started going with him more regular. And that's how I kind of branched into the bass fishing. And at a certain point, I don't really know how old I was, but, you know, I decided, man, this is what I want to do. I love this. You know, I've never been a video gamer or all that stuff. If I wasn't fishing, I was playing out in the woods. I always wanted to be outside, and then I realized, man, this is really hard. I don't know that I can do this, but I always stayed dedicated to it, fish as hard as I possibly could, always tried to learn new techniques, just get better at casting, get better at all the things that are involved with fishing. And then uh, when I was 16, which you have to be 16 to fish an FLW event, I fished a BFL on Lake Norman, and uh, I think I finished 20th in that tournament. And back then, you know, I fished, you know, a lot of team tournaments and if I got a check it didn't matter if I made money if I got a check dude it was like winning the cup or something like that (laughs) I've been down that road no doubt (laughs) but uh, you know really I just fished that tournament I was going to fish that one and then I thought I did so good which I guess 20th was still pretty good at that time so I finished the whole season and you know I just went from there I fished a couple seasons of the BFLs till 2012 was my first year fishing FLW Tour but after a year or two of the BFLs, I started fishing two division BFLs because I live so close to South Carolina, only about a mile and a half from the South Carolina line. So I fished the North and the South Carolina division. I wound up winning the points in 2011, I believe it was. I had the bites to win the points the year before. I think I finished second or third. So I said, well, if I can do this, I've moved up to here. Why don't I try the next level? So in 2012, I started fishing the FLW Tour as a co-angler. And, you know, I think I finished 13th in the points that year. I uh, had a couple top 10s, or actually no top 20s. I didn't have any top 10s that year. And then I finished fifth in the cup. I said, well, I made money here. I did really good. Might as well keep going. 2013, finished 12th in the points. I won at Lake Eufaula, and I finished fourth in the cup. Here we are this year. I finished third in the points, had four third-place finishes throughout the year, and I won the cup. So now I'm ready to take that next step. I'm going to continue fishing the tour as a co-angler, but I'm also going to fish the Rayovacs 
as a pro and maybe some bass opens. Well, Brian, that's an awesome story. You, you pretty much told our listeners exactly why we wanted you on the show. <laughs> that, was, that was phenomenal. I mean, your record speaks for itself. And, man, I'm, I'm really excited to start picking your brain on how you, you had such quick – I mean, you're still a young guy. You're 20-something. Is that right? 24. 24 years old and, like Aaron said, you know, stacking up the cash over the past several years fishing events. So, man, I'm really looking forward to just dive straight into this. Sounds good. Well, obviously, you know, within the competitive angling community, the Forcewood Cup has significance. So on one hand, you've got the competitive side of it, but then on the other, you still have to actually go out there and catch the fish, which is no different than any day on the water that, you know, the recreational angler or the competitive angler is faced with out there, Brian. What was your strategy and what types of techniques were successful for you at Lake Murray in such a tough tournament? Well, you know, every tournament I go to, the number one strategy is to keep a clear mind. Even if you have, say, in practice, you're really dialed in to one thing, don't get one track minded because every day, every hour, different conditions, you know, there's so many variables that come into play. Number one, do not get stuck on one thing. Be able to look and tell the little differences to see if something has changed and you have to change up. Let the water color, let the wind, let the sun, the clouds, let the fish tell you what they want. But in practice, we went down, I practiced with Brian Thrift, and we went down in pre-practice and you talk about tough, buddy. I think I had like three keeper bites in three days, or four days actually, and I knew it was going to be one heck of a tough tournament. So I was prepared as any co-angler event for the spinning rods and the light line and the finesse techniques. Well, between pre-practice and the tournament, I developed this worm for Charlie's Worms. It's a prototype right now, and I did some testing with it on my home lake, and I said, this thing right here is going to be bad to the bones. And I'm really excited to release it. But we got down there for official practice. And the first day of practice, I had zero keeper bites. I think I had two bites that were like 10 inches. The second day of practice, I had two keeper bites. And the last day, I caught a five-pounder on this new prototype finesse worm. I threw that all the rest of the day, and I caught one more keeper the last day of practice. That was the definitely debate that I had the most confidence in. But here's an example about keeping an open mind. The first day of the tournament... I threw that a lot, and I never caught a fish on it. The second day of the tournament, I didn't throw it a whole lot, but I didn't catch any on it that day either. But about the eighth or ninth cast, the first morning of the tournament, I caught my biggest fish that day, which was a three, a little over three-pounder, on a buzz bait with the Charlie's Worms Hopping Frog trailer. The main reason behind the trailer is just it gives it a little bit more noise, and it casts a little bit better. The, a few casts later, I missed one. The fish just didn't get the bait. But keeping an open mind, no matter what, all day long, being able to tell little differences. Like that morning, it was windy. That's when I was throwing a buzz bait. Later in the day, it got slick, calm, and hot. So I threw the Charlie's Worms Hopping Frog by itself, which it's still the same thing as that buzz bait, but it's not making as much noise. It's doing the same thing. It's catching the same fish, but it's a lot more subtle. Sounds like that top water strategy kind of from your worm kind of got some confidence going and that top water strategy is what was really successful and it seemed like there was a lot of top water fish caught at Lake Murray in that FLW Cup. Yeah, it was. You know, our lakes down here in the southeast 
really, I guess, all over the country. I haven't fished other parts of the country this time of year quite as much as I have here. But the bluegill and the brim, they're spawning. There'll be a lot of brim beds around the bank. There's a lot of just brim in general around the bank that aren't spawning. So the bass, they're up there. It's an easy meal. They can run the brim into the bank or the rocks and trap them. So it's an easy target. There's not necessarily a, a whole, whole lot of fish up there, but if you cover enough water, they're fairly easy fish to catch. A lot of times you'll be parallel on the bank with that top water, just covering as much water as you can, and you'll look down, there's a five-pounder, there's a four-pounder, there's a six-pounder that you're just going right over. But my thoughts on that is you catch one out of every ten. I don't know if my numbers, how accurate they are, but that's my guess. But you can't look at those fish and you say, I just threw over top of those fish. What am I doing wrong? Just forget about those fish. Know that they're still there. Cover as much water as you can. And, you know, you have eight, nine hours to do it. All you have to have is five bites. That comes right into the mental aspect that you know that they're there. You'll finally find one that's aggressive enough. And that's a pattern that's you know not talked about a whole lot as far as covering that much water like you're talking about. And then uh, being able to just really try and connect with some of those fish that are a little bit more aggressive. Brian, one thing I hear all the time about co-anglers is, you know, well, I had a bad draw or the pro that I was fishing with wasn't on fish. You've done very well, as we heard earlier, cashing checks and, and having a lot of success and now, you know, force would cup co-angler champ how important is your bow draw and if your pro that you're fishing with isn't on let's say you know a great number of fish how do you combat that as a co-angler to stay competitive against the other co-anglers that are with pros that are on a lot of fish that's a great question i hear that so much i had a bad draw i had a bad draw i'm never fishing as a co-angler again that's the most ridiculous thing that I have ever heard in my life. The only way you can have a bad draw is if you have somebody that's, you know, a butthead. I've done this for three years on the tour level. I've never had a bad draw. You know, I've been doing it since I was 16, so what's that, eight years, including the BFLs. I've never had a bad draw. The way you have a bad draw is if you start stepping on their toes and you don't realize that, hey, I'm a co-angler. If I want to fish from the front of the boat, let me pay my $4,000 and then I'll fish from the front of the boat. A co-angler has to know his place. You give them their room. Don't try to rush them. Don't try to beat them to the next spot. And that'll go a long way. You start stepping on their toes, they're going to start making it harder for you. No matter what, wherever you go, if your pro never has a bite all day long, I promise you, you pick up that spinning rod. They will be a point sometime during that day. No matter where you're at, you might not be able to catch a limit, but there'll be some time during the day that you can catch one or two keepers. Well, that's good advice there, Brian. And quickly, before we head to break, tacking on to what Kurt had said, you get to fish with some of the best pros in the country and really watch them work their craft. And if there is something that you can take away from what you're seeing or from, you know, the back of the boat in that small piece of real estate that you have to work with, what makes the best of the best anglers in the world better than the average touring bass fisherman? That right there is the million dollar question, but there's really not an answer for that. You can't see what makes somebody better better because it's in their head. I can cast just as good as you, and you can cast just as good as me, and everybody can cast. The mechanical stuff, everybody's just as good as the other person, especially when you get on this level. What makes one person better than the other is all in the head decision-making, and you can't watch somebody and know why they're making a decision. Just like me, practice 
fishing with Brian Thrift, he's one of the best anglers in the world ever since he came on tour. Fishing with him, just fishing with him, fun fishing, practicing tournament fishing, you can't look at him and tell why he's one of the best anglers in the world because it's all in the decision making. The best thing you can learn from him is just keep your head down, stay focused, know that it's going to happen. All right, good stuff there, Brian. Hang in there, Bass Nation. Brian, Aaron, and I are going to take a short time out. Bass Edge Radio, we'll be right back. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. At O'Reilly Auto Parts, you're guaranteed to get the everyday low price on the parts you need. Our guaranteed low prices ensure you're always getting our best deal. In fact, we'll match any local auto parts store's price on any like item. We have the parts you need at prices you can be sure of at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Oil Angler Spotlight returns with FLW Cup co-angler champion Brian New. Lucas Oil high-performance marine products from real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturer's requirements. Visit them at lucasoil.com. It works. All right, Brian, here's a new question that a lot of guys and ladies are going to be interested in. All bass anglers head in this late summer, early fall transition wanting to know what are a couple confidence techniques that you like to use? I would definitely say top water, all sorts of top water. I'm going to call that one technique, you know, from a frog to a walking bait to a prop bait, buzz bait, you know, every type of top water there is has a different purpose. That's going to be my number one go-to technique. Number two, I would probably say a, a jig. A jig is very, very versatile. You can flip it. You can uh, skip it under docks, swim it. I swim it a lot in the fall time. You can catch cruising fish on it, fish it deep. It's just so versatile. And those are going to be my two number one techniques. That's probably a good reason why you've been winning so much money using big fish techniques. I like that. And uh, those can't be beat uh, that time of year when you're running around looking for those bait fish and uh, fishing some of the backs of the pockets and stuff. You know, you won $50,000 just a few weeks ago. What's your plan? You got any big plans for your winnings? Yeah put it in the bank. I actually, yesterday I took my check and put it in the bank. I've been pretty busy and haven't had a chance to get to the bank until yesterday, but no, um, not really. I think I might buy a Suburban, but other than that, I'm going to put it in the bank and try to forget about it and wait till Uncle Sam comes calling. Keep reinvesting into more tournaments, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm going to try to prepare, you know, for next year to fish the Rayovacs as a pro, and, uh, you know, we'll go from there. One thing about preparation, it is universal whether it's fishing or whatever that you're doing, it always seems that preparation goes a long way. And on a side note, does it help your bass fishing to really get out and get some rest and relaxation and actually getting out fishing for other species besides just the freshwater bass? You know, I really don't do a whole lot. Actually, the other day, you know, I went out brim fishing with my girlfriend and that's probably the first time I've done that in 10 or 12 years but you know I knew there were a lot of brim on the bed and she likes to get out there and go fishing but about 30 minutes in she hasn't called anything she gets pretty bored so I said you know what after church we're going to go brim fishing and we're going to catch them every cast and sure enough we call them just about every cast she had a blast and uh, it's definitely not going to hurt you but you can still learn a little bit if you pay enough attention and it's that's just something that you're going to have to see throughout the day. Like whenever I went brim fishing, I was looking for brim beds. 
So that's as far as learning more about fish in other lakes. No, as far as my local lake here, yeah, that's going to show me where a few more brim beds are. That'll definitely help. So you took your girlfriend out. A lot of anglers want to take their kids fishing or, or their girlfriend fishing in this case. Um, how about a couple tips on how you get out there and catch some of them brim cast after cast? This time of year, around the full moon, uh, I'm not an expert at this by no means, but this is just my take on it. You know, around the full moon, is the number one time for the brim to be spawning. The best places to look for those brim beds will be in pockets in a creek or on the main channel. They'll get on rocks or anything, but little sandy places are, are kind of the number one place to look. And it's just basically a brim bed looks like a bass bed, but instead of one, there'll be 10 or 20 all together and it looks like a bunch of big white craters. Sometimes they'll be black. It's just a cork to the bottom. But I just went to my local tackle store here and picked up some night crawlers or red worms, whatever. Uh, red worms are actually probably better because they're a little bit smaller and, uh, you know, get you a small hook and a, a small split shot. Put your split shot about four or six inches above your hook. Put your bobber just to keep it off of the bottom about, you know, according to your depth. I feel like the worm needs to be about five or six inches off the bottom. So just throw it out there, and, I mean, it don't take long. It's almost as soon as it hits the water. That sounds like a good time, man. I might have to think about getting out there and and doing some of that. You know, we talked a little bit earlier about some tips for co-anglers that's helped you be successful. You kind of touched on a few of those. If you had to just list them, one, two, three tips for co-anglers to be as successful as Brian knew on the tour, on any tour, whether they're fishing Bass Opens, FLW Tour, Rayovax, as a co-angler, what can you tell folks that will help them out? Number one, if you forget every other tip, Number one, know your place. Do not step on your pro's toes. Know that he is doing this to feed his family. He paid his entry fee to fish from the front. You paid your entry fee to fish from the back, so you fish from the back. Don't try to push him, and it will help you. Not just because it's the right thing to do, but it will help you catch more fish. It will help you have more opportunities to catch fish during that tournament day. Number two, be very, very versatile. Be able to go from throwing a big top water to seeing one little, just anything, one little stick or something. Pick up your shaky head or your wacky worm or whatever, fire over there. Even if it's for one cast and you think you've got a higher percentage of catching a fish, not necessarily a big fish, but a fish on that shaky head than you do over your top water, fire it over there, fish it, pick up your top water again. Just being versatile, little things like that have helped me a long way in this sport. And then you only have so much tackle that you can bring. You know, have an idea of what's going to be going on that time of year. You can eliminate a lot of stuff. But make sure you have everything that you think you might need. Be organized. Keep it pretty small, not to take up a whole lot of room. It saves you a lot of time. I have all my stuff labeled on my rods. I'll have rod gloves, different colors, and I know this color's for this, this color's for that. Red for a drop shot, blues for a shaky head. Stuff like that helps me a long ways because if you know every time you go to pick up a rod, if it takes you five extra seconds to figure out which rod it is, you do that you know twenty times throughout a day. Now there's a minute. And people don't realize how long that is because every cast counts so much. You've got all your ducks in a row there, Brian. Good stuff. Great tips. Let's continue right into the O'Reilly Auto Parts, the professional parts people, listener 
Listener Question segment. Today's $100 gift card winner is Michael Silva from Rock Hill, South Carolina, right close to you, Brian. Michael asked this question. I have a question about lure color selection. I know light penetration dictates color, but should you use a darker color on sunny days when skipping lures under shaded docks and laydowns? That's a good question. The watercolor is going to mean a lot. Say if you're fishing clear water, keep it natural. Just because it's underneath that dock. Say if you're skipping a jig under a dock and you're wanting it to look like a crawfish or a brim, no matter what you're wanting it to look like, the crawfish or the brim's not going to change color because it's under the shade. Dirty water, yes, something darker. I let the watercolor tell me what color bait more than the sunlight or the shade. But dirty water, darker, or more reds for your crawfish, stuff like that. And on a shad pattern, more white than a translucent, something that's just going to stand out better. Clear water, keep it natural. You know, your green pumpkins, watermelons, those type colors, keep it simple. Don't get crazy in all these different colors. Oh, this one's got a blue flake or that one's got a red flake. Just keep it simple, dark and dirty, natural and clear. Well, that's good stuff. And I know certainly the old adage, Brian, that uh, color doesn't matter as long as it's green pumpkin when it comes to clear water goes a long ways there. But, Michael, hey, congratulations for having your question chosen. Send us an email letting us know you heard it answered here on the show, and we will send out your $100 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. Bass Edge listeners, continue to send in your questions. We enjoy your feedback about the show and getting your question answered right here by the pros always send in your question and comments to us via our email address support at bassedge.com or through our facebook page and twitter handle at bass edge always include that name and hometown well brian thanks for hanging with us today on bass edge radio would you like to leave any final thoughts to our listeners as we close down the program oh uh, yeah just thanks for listening thanks for everybody's support and check in with charlie's worms in the next month or so and check out this new program type worm, you know, that helped me win the cup. Give it a try, and you're going to be very, very, very happy with it. You can go like my Facebook page at Brian New Fishing. Also, follow me at Brian New Fishing on Instagram. Keep up with me there, and uh, you know, I'll be doing monthly giveaways and different contests there. So, follow me there, and uh, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks for your support. Hey, Brian, well, thanks for being here, and I look forward to seeing you out on the water. Bass Edge Radio will return in just a few minutes. Now you can order Bass Edge Season 3 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing as host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Denny Brower, Boyd Duckett, Randy Howell, and Dave Wolak. This two-disc set includes all 13 episodes. That's over 10 hours of Bass Edge, including interviews, bloopers, and highlights, all for just $19.95. Order online at BassEdge.com. And be sure to check out previously released DVDs like Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 and Electronics 101. Bass Edge, Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com. pretty cool. You know, we don't usually talk to a whole lot of co-anglers out there. Brian winning the championship. Had to get him on the show. Although he's a young man, you know, just entering, he did a great job. Really showed us a lot of details on what's made him very successful fishing in the back of the boat. Yeah, 24 years old, dude, and, and his resume reads like that of a seasoned veteran. And one of the things that I appreciate about Brian and having him on the show, Kurt, is the fact that we can all relate. We have all been in the back of the boat, you know,
know, fishing with our buddy or our dad or our uncle or something along those lines to where your angles are different, the amount of tackle perhaps that you have and rods and reels and just your mental space is completely different from someone that is in the front of the boat having to make all of the decisions. Yeah, it is. And he capitalizes when he can. You heard him talk about if it's just one cast over here to a particular piece of cover when his primary pattern might be something a little bit different. You know, from the back of the boat, he's able to take advantage of every single little opportunity that crosses his path throughout the day. And most importantly, does that with uh, good relationships with the uh, angler that's on the front of the boat so that uh, hopefully, you know, you create some good karma and, and the guy in the front might might even want to help the guy in the back a little bit. I know I like to help you catch some fish in the back of my boat, Aaron. Well, yeah, and if it wasn't for you, you know, I would still be riding with training wheels. And so, <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, I, I think you, you hit on a, on multiple points there. It's about having fun. Let's not forget this. And I know we can drift off sometimes and, and talk the competitive speak, but even when you're in a competitive situation, those relationships and being in the boat with sometimes for eight hours with an individual, man, you might as well make it a pleasant experience. And I think certainly Brian has demonstrated how he's been able to do that time and time again. And one of the things that he mentioned, pick up that spinning reel, and before the day is done, you will get a bite. But speaking of being done, unfortunately, we are out of time. I want to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in to Bass Edge Radio, episode number 190. I am Aaron Martin, and for Kurt Dove and the rest of the Bass Edge crew, we'll see you next episode, airing September 15th. So long, everybody. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard keel protectors. The Edge is presented by KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil Products, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com. Dude, I'm sorry. I, I screwed you there. This is not episode 190 on the close. It's it's actually 191. Yeah, well, you can't count. I'm not changing it. That's too good of a closing. So. <laughs> okay. Well, no one will ever know anyway. <laughs> Fine. All right. <laughs> Done.